0: We've reached episode 10 of series 10 and the muddle and confusion that surrounded the first nine episodes has largely dissipated and I've published them with various qualifications and apologies and I've also done the transcriptions so I've got the text in my mega file and so perhaps we're in a position to start to move forward. But I thought that I'd try to use the confusion as something to learn from. Because when this kind of thing happens, and I think it happened once before, the beginning maybe of series nine, I can't quite remember. It's because things are swimming around in my non-conscious brain, but not quite managing to manifest themselves in a clear or even intelligible or even graspable form. And so things tend to come out a bit of, in a bit of a mess. And the temptation, hence the reference to burying the waste paper baskets, is to say, well, the, the mess isn't worth recording or admitting because the mess is a sign of a lack of understanding but I want explicitly to challenge this and to do so in the context of learning generally and two types of learner. There are people, I suppose we tend to think of them as being clever but we'll qualify this in a moment, there are people who grasp things very quickly say something to them, it may be relatively unfamiliar, but they immediately see the point, they immediately see how it connects with what they already know, and they pursue it in some way, shape or form and make something of it. Sometimes what their performance seems to indicate which is that they've immediately grasped it proves not to be quite an accurate description because what they are good at is mimicking is doing, I've mentioned this in an earlier episode of this series, is doing what the chatbots do, taking strings of words and knowing, somehow, how to go on. And this relates to the embeddings issue and encoding. Let me just remind you very briefly that what a chatbot is doing is taking the string of words that have come up to the point that you've reached mixing them with the training data that has given rise to its neural net which is a fixed thing. So you're providing the variable content that is the entry point, and it's using its neural net to interpret and deal and deal with it. And then it uses this process of encoding and embedding that we talked about in series eight several times to decide what to say next. And so the chatbot appears to be talking something that you would, say, you would say makes sense, saying something intelligible. Sometimes it even appears to say something quite insightful and helpful. Wouldn't deny it for a moment. But the question is, does it really understand? And of course, the secondary question is, what does it mean to say something really understands? Now, any of you that have tried to get hold of my out-of-print book from 1997, God and the Mind Machine, or who've read any of the other stuff and sometimes listened to the other stuff that I've said about the mind-body problem will perhaps know that I've always been very fond of the dual aspect theory, not as it's usually described, but in the sense of there being an inside and an outside story And that it is like something to be something. Now I do know a lot of people who absolutely refute this in the sense of saying I don't believe that, I have no experience of that, I don't believe there is such a thing as an inside story. And they're very often intelligent people, articulate people. And so if I take them at their word, I have to say all right... Let's suppose, and this is, this is really quite a big let's suppose, but let's suppose that there are indeed two types of person, at least, but certainly two. One of whom experiences the world from inside out and determines, bases their behaviour and their response to the world on what it's like to be them from inside out. And that would certainly be the case with me. But let's suppose that there are also other people uh, who live a life that, for me at least, is verging on the unintelligible, who, for whom it isn't like anything to be them. But they're still functioning human beings who manage to say, what needs to be said and do what needs to be done in appropriate context. They just don't, as you might say, internalize that process. They don't experience it as something concrete. And this does a little bit relate to the discussion that we had about aphantasia, but I'm not going to go back to that, or I am still thinking about it, exactly how it connects. So, I'm supposing there are these two different types of person for one of whom it's like something to be them and for the other of whom it isn't like anything to be them but they both perform perfectly, adequately and perhaps even indistinguishably in that you couldn't pick which is which very easily. Now. On the basis of what I've said about chatbots, I would say that the chatbots, insofar as they fit into either category, fit very much into the second. They perform perfectly, intelligibly, and decently, and helpfully, and they behave in a similar fashion. But I don't think it's like anything to be a chatbot. I might be wrong. In some ways i quite like to think that I am wrong, but then I don't really want there to be people for whom it's not like anything to be them. Although it seems to me that this may amount, this distinction may amount to an argument about what you'd, how you describe affective states as they're called, internal psychological states, affective states. But I do think that this distinction seems to have some traction because there do seem to be lots of people who deny that it's like anything to be them. Now, I wouldn't dream of denying that it's like something to be me. It may not be much to be me, but it's still like something. And therefore, I tend to impute, if you like, project, if you want to be more negative about it, my experience, onto other people and assume that since it's like something to be me it must then be like something to be them. But maybe it isn't. Well that's at least possible. So where does this take us? Well in the context of people learning things and picking things up very quickly, in my experience the ones who pick things up very quickly and can do things with them as if they understand them very often turn out to be of the second kind. They're the kind of person who it isn't like anything to be or who at least readily or happily deny that it's like anything to be them. So they are pattern matching in very much the way that the chatbots are pattern matching. They're saying, I understand what I've got so far. I know the rules. I can do the embeddings and the encodings and so I can tell you what happens next. And they do tell you. And they say things that are perfectly intelligible, perfectly appropriate, perfectly relevant, that fit the tone of the conversation. They do that, but they might be doing it without an inside story to tell without an inside world, without it being like anything to be them. Now I'm saying all this in a sense out of deference rather than in a sense of belief. I'm not sure I really believe this distinction that I've just drawn between people whom it is like something to be and people whom it isn't because I simply can't understand what it would be like to be somebody (laughs) You see the paradox, don't you? What it would be like to be somebody who it wasn't like anything to be. Well, it wouldn't be anything. So there may well be people, there may well be people, which I admit only in deference to the people who claim that they are like this, and there are some, for whom the notion that it's like anything to be them is a blank. They don't think that it is, they report that it isn't, and yet they function perfectly normally. They make contributions to conversation, they may even become good mathematicians or scientists or playwrights or anything. And they function as human beings all right, but while simultaneously denying that it's like anything to be them. And I should just mention in case it occurs to you, although I'm sure it won't, that I am painfully conscious of the fact that I might be the only person in the world who believes that it's like something to be me, but I've met plenty of others who think that it's like something to be them, although I've also met a great many who say that it isn't, and that the notion of it being like something to be something makes no sense. Them. Well we touched on this once before and when I get back to my mega file I might even look up the episode so that I can give you the reference but I'm out walking so I can't do it right now. All right so this category of person who finds it very quick, who is very quick to pick up on new things, who can play the game who can say the right things and make intelligible noises just like a chatbot might well be the kind of person who picks things up very quickly without necessarily properly as i would say it understanding them they can do things with things without understanding what they're doing without there being some inside story that provides the explanatory backdrop to what they're doing. So there are people, and I've had this conversation with people and had arguments with people about it, who will say that it is perfectly possible to do mathematics, for example, just by what you could call running a program, running a formula doing what the rules say you should do and if you're a mathematician who does that you're sometimes called a formalist because you not only do it but you believe that that is what mathematics is about. It's not about some abstract understanding. Don't get me wrong, I'm not for a moment adducing a dualism here as though this understanding is a property of a soul. You need to get to grips with what my understanding of dual-aspect theory entails to see why that's possible and why it isn't what I'm saying. But 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 a mathematician who says, I don't think independently of my formulae, my formulae are my thoughts and the connections between them are the mathematical process. And they may be saying, I'm not, I'm not sure, but they may be saying they don't believe that it's necessary to have an inside story either. In which case, they and the second group that I've described are very much the same. And this then leads me to say that because they tend to pick things up and run with them without having to think about it very much, without having to wait for their unconscious or non-conscious brains to catch up to do the processing the working out of stuff that someone who does have an inside story and who does believe in understanding in a rather more ethereal sense will want indeed not want but need to do before they can speak intelligibly and go on That being so, the people that I'm describing will be very impatient with the former category. In other words, the people who pick things up very quickly and can just do it tend to be very impatient with those of us who can't, or don't, or need to process things differently. Indeed, one of my funniest life experiences and it really is a very funny life experience is that I won't say who said it but somebody once accused me and it was an accusation as you would know if you were there he said the trouble with you John is that you like to think about things before you decide what to do or say and the fact that this was being leveled at me as an accusation completely bowled me over because I couldn't understand how this could possibly be a mark of shame. But perhaps if you're the sort of person who doesn't need to think before they act or speak or write, that is what you would say. Although having said that, you will know from the very thing that I am doing now, speaking extempore without notes and without forethought that I'm not saying that I'm incapable or people like me are incapable of stringing words together in such a way that they only discover that they think them when they hear themselves saying them. To use again that quotation that I can never find in Wittgenstein but I'm sure is there somewhere if it's not in Gilbert Ryle or somebody like that. So as I'm speaking now and as I'm on record as having done a few episodes ago, I found myself saying something to do with the emergence and evolution of human beings who made, who, who were possessed of some conceptual mistakes about the world. And that suddenly made sense of a great deal of what I've been trying to say in these episodes. The renormalization argument that was in episode 6 or 7 of this series is exactly what i'm talking about the fact that we we reach an impasse we reach a point from which we can't go on unless we reconceptualize now in the context of this distinction that i'm drawing this is a very difficult how does somebody who doesn't have an inside story reconceptualize Do they indeed have any concepts? Or do they just have rules that they apply? So they learn how to think quantum mechanically somehow or other, and then they can think quantum mechanically. But it is almost as if it happens automatically, a bit like a program running its course and leading somewhere where it's bound to end up, because of the nature of the the subject or the process that's involved. So, that kind of person will be of the view, or tends to be of the view, and this is the link with my criticisms of Oxford, that if you're the kind of person who needs something explaining, you're probably the kind of person for whom the explanation is completely useless. If you're the kind of person who needs something explaining, then there's probably no point in explaining it to you. Because these people just latch onto things as a whole, instantly, without the need to agonize, without the need to process, without the need to challenge, question and cross-reference and somehow build bridges, build bridges with prior understanding or, and this is much more significant, or jettison prior understanding in order to be able to come to grips with some new understanding, which is exactly what I've been saying happens in the transition from Newtonian classical mechanics from Aristotelian biology to the world of Einstein and more quantum mechanics and relativity and evolution and emergence. So For whom this process is immediate, they will be told something; they will immediately grasp it. And as I say, sometimes we regard that as being clever, but I'm not so sure because I think it might be self-limiting. There's another kind of person. This will be next episode, episode 11. There's another person, kind of person, who can do something which I think is almost far, well, almost, is far cleverer. And that's the person for whom it is appropriate to say the best way of explaining this to you is by way of an example. And I'll come back to that next episode. i will be recording in a few minutes now. Thank you for listening.